This is but one of a thousand true crimes. Everybody, welcome back to A Thousand True Crimes. Uh, it's Chelsea here, and I'm, of course, here with Joe. And this is the first time we've recorded in, like, what, two months? I know. For real. Yeah, that's true. It's It's been a long time. Uh, just a quick update. The first two episodes of season two were recorded at the beginning of the summer. Season one. And, <laughs> yeah, it's just... But, you know, with personal things going on and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now and we kind of had to take the summer to work on some, like on our mental health and make sure that we're good. So, but we're back now. We're ready to go for it. We're yeah. Excited. And we have an intro. And we have an intro. Let us know what you think. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're excited. Uh, so let's just kind of like jump back into it and yeah. how you doing, Joe? What are you drinking? Okay, this week I'm not doing great, but overall I'm getting there. Um, I just have some prophecy, cab salve. I I went to the grocery store. I had to run errands after work because like some errands I'll take the kids on, like if we're going to like the pet store or something like that. And um, I don't know if any of the listeners follow me on Instagram, they'll see that I've recently... I wouldn't even say adopted a pregnant cat wandered into my house and won't leave. And she's mm-hmm. like getting to the point that I can tell the babies are coming close. So I had to run to PetSmart and get like uh, some backup filter, a backup bottle, just in case she rejects any of her kittens. I don't think she will, but I just want to have that stuff on hand. I had to get like a separate litter box so I can like shut her into a room. I had to run to the grocery store and get alcohol because I knew we were recording tonight. <laughs> I just, I like had all these errands I had to run and I was like fantasizing about this glass of wine so I just got the old reliable prophecy cab sound yeah you're like I'm not trying to try anything new I need my stable and every day yeah good old faithful I can count on you old faithful exactly (laughs) exactly well don't spill it (laughs) what are you drinking over there so I we had my uh baby's birthday party this past weekend and I had grabbed some Moscato, so I figured a little bit more celebratory drink since we're getting back into recording. So, Woo-hoo! yeah, it's not my fave. Moscato's not my fave. It's a no? little too sweet, but you like the drier, yeah, yeah. I like the drier, yeah. Except for Chardonnays, I can't get into them. It's too buttery. Well, it's uber dry. That's and a very yeah. Oaky. You like dry, yeah. but not oaky. Exactly. So, but. I got my first round of the COVID vaccine today. You did? I did. I did. Yay! I'm so excited. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against the COVID vaccine. Just, you know, some personal things. And it took a lot of research and a lot of, like, talking to different healthcare providers, getting different opinions, and not just relying on one to make the decision, but I am not feeling great. My arm is sore as fuck. Tomorrow, what'd you Everyone get? I talk to. I don't even know. I think it's Moderna, Pfizer. Pfizer. 
Well, it's if it's Pfizer. Pfizer, then your first shot is the allegedly the worst one, and your second one is easy breezy. If it's Moderna, it's the other way around. And I don't know about Johnson and Johnson, but I remember when I got mine, I was sick the next day, like full on fever in bed, couldn't wake up, couldn't move, sick. And did, which one did you get? I got Moderna. Cool. So tomorrow's gonna suck, is what you're telling me. My. No, one of my nanny friends got Pfizer and she just she didn't have a bad reaction to it at all. She just said that she felt sore and a little achy, but then she was fine. Okay. Well, at least tomorrow's Friday. But yeah, so I'm not feeling too great. I'm a little snuff like sniffly and tired and I got a headache pretty much right after it and Yeah, yeah. So, I was like, "Cool, this is so much fun." Um, but you know, doing my part after right. doing my own research on my own time and not, That's you know. Right. You do it, girl. So here we are. So proud of you. Thanks, girl. <laughs> um, try. So, Wait, but I have to ask before we get in the case, have you heard about the Crystal Rogers update? I did. So we were actually going to say, if you guys have been following us, if anyone is still there, like... <laughs> You oh, know, we got fans, people. girl. You know we got um, fans. <laughs> there might be only so, 10 of them, but we got them. So, uh, yeah, they have an update in the Crystal Rogers case. And definitely, if you haven't listened to it, go back. Essentially, the FBI has – they haven't released too much information since it's still active. Yeah. But the FBI have has found significant evidence – yeah. And they've been digging around, but they had to put it on hold due to, like, the storms coming through. And I will say uh, Bardstown is, like, the big podcast that kind of, like, made this case common mm-hmm. knowledge to mm-hmm. everyone. They did an update. So if you want, like, details about everything, they're, they have a reporter there on the ground. So go listen to that episode. But ap- apparently her mom, Crystal Rogers' mom, feels like they have something this time. So, yeah. So fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much. Go back and listen, but I have my opinion on who um Oh yeah. who's a little suspect in that oh, case. Yeah. So, no bueno, but yeah. So other than that everything's good. I feel like yeah. I feel awkward like I don't know how to like do this again. I know it's been a while. Well, we have one last thing that we have to bug you guys mm-hmm. with before we actually get into the episode. Cause I know Chelsea and I have tried to make this like mostly content. We want to bug you guys with like a bunch of social media stuff or like, like ads or anything like that. So, um, but one thing we do want to do is we have our very first merch giveaway, which we were advertising on the previous episodes. If you made it all the way to the end, you would have heard us talking about it. But then I realized, Oh, we should probably put that at the beginning of the episode. So, yeah. um, what we are going to be doing and we'll put stuff on our socials. It's got more details. So you can always just find the information there is we're going to do a merch giveaway. So it's our very first merch. Um, we got some little magnets with our little image printed Mm -hmm. for your fridge or, you know, wherever. And we will mail that to you. Now, this is how you get in. We're gonna, it's going to be like a raffle, like a drawing. And again, I just would like to reiterate, we have like 10 people. So like chances are you're probably going to win. Um, you have to leave us a review on, uh, Apple podcast. Yeah. On Apple podcast, because, uh, that just, uh, increases our visibility. The more reviews we have, it increases our visibility. So if you leave us uh, a five-star review or I I mean, you can leave us a four-star review, I guess, but like, you know, positive review, (laughs) um, take a screenshot, right. 
take a screenshot of it because it can take up to a month for those to appear for us to see them. So take a screenshot of it after you leave the review and send that to us either um, on our personal, if you if you know us, on our personal Facebook or Instagram accounts or on our um, A Thousand True Crimes podcast discussion group or A Thousand True Crimes pod on Instagram. Um, first one was Facebook. And then that is your entry ticket into the drawing. Um, if you do not have Apple Podcasts and you have like Spotify or something like that, get, if you follow us or um, subscribe to us or any of those things, take a screenshot of it, send it to us, and that'll be your entry for those platforms. Again, yes. it just boosts it just boosts us. It just it just increases our visibility. So if you like what we're doing, you think we're doing a good job, um, let us like know. Us, yeah, like us, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Send us that screenshot. And then we are going to announce on our Facebook page the date that we will be doing a drawing. And then after that, we will get in touch with you and we will mail you one of the very mm -hmm. first merches that we have ever made for our podcast. So if you guys would like to be a part of that, that's all the information for that. And I think I think that's it. That's all the business stuff, right? That's all the. I think so. Yeah. The little updates the of, you know, getting back into it and dealing with stuff and yeah well so tell uh, us about a crime yeah tell so me about a crime. i was gonna say i know that like before we started recording you said you've been sad all week so i'm not about to make you feel any better <laughs> um your stories never do never do <laughs> you do your uh, stories never do <laughs> i know it's story of my life um so this <laughs> is the case of Joe Ardity. Um, and this is another shout out from Rusty who requested this. So yeah, Rusty guys, keeps sending yeah. us. <laughs> we love you. Um, this is, it's, this is a tragic case. So Joe, so we're just going to crack into it. I got most of my information from an article on forgotten history written by Matthew Jarrett and also morbid ology written by Emily Thompson. Yeah. And so Joe, he was a mentally disabled man who was falsely accused of murder. All right. I already hate it. Yep. He became known as the happiest man on death row. Oh no. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, there's so many victims in this case. It's, it's ridiculous. Damn it. Rusty. <laughs> so Joe was born in put, Pueblo, oh, Jesus, <laughs> we're going in this real hard. Joe was born in Pueblo, Colorado on April 29th, 1915 to Syrian immigrants. His parents came over to Colorado in 1909 and Joe's father worked for Colorado Fuel and Iron Works. Now, as a child, his parents didn't really notice anything wrong with him. Physically, he was fine, but it would soon become apparent that something was wrong mentally. When Joe entered the first grade, his parents and principal knew something was wrong because Joe couldn't keep up with the other children. By the time he was to start the second grade, the principal had asked Joe's parents to keep him home. Like how different of a world we live in now. Yeah. The like world, the him. principal of his school was like, he's not keeping up with the other children. He's not going to survive in second grade. Like, so don't home. send him to school. Yeah. Huh. And this was like in like the early 20s. He was born in 1915. So yeah, like so early late 20s. teens, early 20s. Good yeah. Grief. Yeah. 
Um, so for the next three years, Joe pretty much stayed home. And in 1923, Joe's parents had another son. And by 1924, their daughter would be born. So at this point, Joe's father, Henry, decided to quit his job at the ironworks. And he actually began to bootleg. Because okay. make a little bit more money. Oh, that's so, right. It was the 20s. That's right. It was the 20s. No yeah. No, that was really America. That's what you decided to go after. Okay. Um, I just Googled a picture of him and he's kind of attractive, right? Yeah. No, man. he is. Like, he's definitely, yeah. It's like, I actually kind of like was tearing up when I was reading about him. Like, it's just so sad how he was treated and he just never got a fair chance. Like, yeah, it's just, we'll get, you. You. yeah, that's all I'm going to say. So it's not problematic that I think he's a little bit attractive. Okay, good. Well, I mean, he's physically, they said, like, physically it was fine. It was all mentally. He, he had a learning, he was, like, had a learning disorder. Pro, like, I, I don't know enough about, diagnose, like, diagnosing anything. Right. But I'm sure if anyone that has read this case can and actually, like, specializes in that, can be like, oh, he probably had this type of learning disability or this type of mental disability that didn't you know that just wasn't aware like people didn't care back then and we still have issues like don't even get started with today's issues on that like I know I know yeah he just he just he just didn't have a chance so as his dad began to bootleg he would be constantly in and out of jail and Joe not being in school was giving his mother a hard time so keeping tabs on Joe like his mother couldn't keep tabs on him because she had two mm-hmm. young kids. The dad was in and out of jail. So he would actually just kind of wander around the town, Pueblo. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was that face for that you just made? I just saw when he was executed, how old he was. Yeah. He's young. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not good. Anyways. So he's, driving his mom crazy she kind of just like lets him do his thing because probably she's not given any sort of skills on how to handle a child with like some sort of mental uh disability and uh the only advice the school gave her was keep him at home yeah and she has two young babies yeah two two young kids and they're syrian immigrants yeah yeah what is she what the fuck is she gonna do yeah so there's a lot of cards going against this and they can't drink alcohol yeah, and his dad is in and out of jail. So now his father is kind of growing frustrated with Joe, and his neighbors aren't the biggest fan of Joe. So when his father asked advice on what to do, they suggested his father have Joe committed. Oh, no. Joe's father and neighbors went before a judge and convinced the judge to have Joe committed to the Colorado State Home and Training School for Mentally de- Defectives at Ground at Grand Junction. Yeah. So while Joe was committed, professionals determined that Joe's IQ was only 46 and he had the mind of a six-year-old. That's worse than Brendan Decker. Worse than who? Brendan Decker. Isn't that his name? From um, the Avery, whatchamacallit case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he had, he was, he had the mindset of a six-year-old. Severe issues. Mm-hmm. Damn. He Joe was described as passive, a follower, and eager to please. Very much like a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. 
And after being at the asylum for nine months, his father decided that he wanted to have Joe back home and started kind of feeling guilty about the whole situation. Oh, okay. So he successfully petitions to have Joe released back home. But when Joe returned, he was still not being supervised and is left to wander the city. With the mental capacity of a six-year-old. Yeah. Wonderful. In one tragic event, a group of boys cornered Joe and forced him to commit sexual acts. And they were only stopped when a probation officer happened to pass by while the boys were sodomizing Joe. Chelsea. Mm Mm-hmm. And he had no idea what was going on. Like, he could not comprehend what was happening. I told you, it's, like, real sad. Oh, my God. So the How probation officer, like, thank God, like ten, like nine. Oh, eight, I, nine, I don't ten. know, I can't, something like that. So, <clears throat> thankfully, the probation officer was able to get Joe out of that horrible situation and wrote a letter to the state home that Joe had been in and says that he must be returned and that the people of the neighborhood were indignant as they are afraid of him. Joe was taken back to the state home and put in the ward for sexual deviance. What? where staff made sure that no perverse activity took place. Now, while Joe was there, he never had a single incident in his file about sexual activity. Well, because he didn't do it. I mean, part of me Because he, like... he didn't understand what was happening. Like, he couldn't understand. Like, he's so eager to please that to him, he's probably thinking, like, oh, if I do this, like, they'll be my friends. They'll be or, like, my friends. Like, their mindset of a six-year-old. Like, I mean, they doesn't part understand. Part of me is, like... I love this probation officer that just happened to be there and like actually stopped it and didn't just care. look the way. Yeah. Well, and not only stopped it, but like was like the the people he's with now are not taking care of him and he needs to be but I it makes me sad that he was put into a unit with sexual deviants because he wasn't a sexual deviant. He was just no. a, a severely um he was a person was a with a severe mental handicap. He was a victim. And, yeah. And, um, but he probably was very protected from being hurt there. Mm. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. All right. I mean, I All didn't right. see any too much information about what happened in the in the home. I mean, but, like. It's not a good He does, like, later on. in the article, you'll find out, like, he does, like, mention that he was, like, beaten and mistreated and Shit, yeah so like it like and the state homes back then like state homes now aren't that great imagine back yeah. in the 20s yeah 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 they're not good no no so now the state home was next to railroad tracks and on august 12th 1936 joe and a group of others escaped and started to train hop the first stop was in Pueblo, and the others went into the town while Joe stayed in the train yard. Okay. So eventually, the others got caught and, returned, and were returned back to the home, but Joe would continue to hop trains, and on August 20th, Joe ended up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. He started to work for mm-hmm. food, and that is where he met Mr. and Mrs. Glenn Gibson. Okay. Now, the train that he worked on moving east was moving east, and eventually, they had to send Joe back to East Cheyenne Railroads since he was not an official employee. So, okay. 
Okay. This is important because shortly after Joe arrived back to the rail yards, he was arrested and transferred to, I guess you would say Lamari, L-A-R-A-M-I-E, Lamari. Laramie? Oh, Laramie. Laramie, Wyoming. Laramie. Transfer to Laramie. (laughs) Obviously, I don't know my geography. I didn't either. That was Google. (laughs) Google had it enunciated for me. Perfect, because I have no idea. Laramie County, which was um, the county that Sheriff George J. Carroll was in. Is this guy a bastard? You are not. Yeah, you're not going to like this guy. Okay, here we go. All right, so... He's now been, unfortunately, arrested. And now, Sheriff Carroll, he was famous because of his shootout with the Ma Bakers gang. Which, like, how, like, 1920s can you be? Yeah. And it has been speculated that he wanted to keep his name in the paper. And this is why he framed Joe. The press also loved uh, Sheriff Carroll, and he was able to easily persuade people, especially Joe. Yeah. So he was like, people loved him. Like he had that personality. He probably like if people described, no, when you when he walks in the room, like the the he lights up the, a room. You know, <laughs> he light up a room. Like seriously, that's probably what it was. <laughs> like, and I'm sitting here like, this little fucker. This piece hate of him. shit hate him just trying to he's just trying to stay famous so joe mentions that he was from pueblo but at this time joe had no idea or even understanding about the events going on in his hometown but this caught the sheriff's attention so we're gonna go back a few days a few weeks on august 20 on august 2nd 1936 so I guess not 20s. I guess, yeah, the Ma Bakers gang, well, that's definitely 20s. Yeah, it's close so, enough. But, but also, so he's about, so he's 21 at this point. Yeah. So on August 2nd, 1936, Miss R.O. what who was 58 years old, and her aunt, Sally Crumpley, 72, were attacked in their home while they were sleeping. They were attacked with a hammer, and Sally was killed during the attack, but Miss Mc, these names, man, these last names are hard today. Mick Murtry survived. Okay. On August fifteenth, three blocks away from the attack on uh, Miss Murtry, fifteen-year-old Dorothy Drain and her sister Barbara, twelve, were attacked similarly. Similarly. So while their parents were away at a charity dance, the sisters were home and asleep, and they were attacked with a hatchet, and Dorothy was raped. Dorothy was killed during the attack, but Barbara, the younger sister, survived but was left in a coma. Oh, no. So all this happened while Joe was, like, train hopping. Also, I'm pretty sure, like, August 2nd, he was still in the home or had just escaped from the home. Okay. Right? I don't remember the dates. So, Who yeah. Who are you asking? He, August 12th, 1936. So he, he was escaped. still locked up. Or not locked up, but, he like, was, institutionalized. Yeah. He was still there. Yeah. He was in for the first attack. He was in at the home. Okay. August fifteenth, he was hopping trains. So now Sheriff Carroll starts to question Joe, 
And Carol was good friends with Chief J. Arthur Grady from Pueblo and had details about the case of the attack on the Drain Sisters. So the sheriff knows details of this attack. Okay. So Carol, in his mind, thought he was connecting the dots in the case and even fed Joe details about the case while he was questioning him. Mm, Joe even changes his story multiple times. So Carol calls Grady and tells him he's a nut. He can't even, Joe, he can't even read or write. And he's told us two to three different stories, but he seems to know all about the Jane murder. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is, if he is the man you want. Oh no. Well, of course he knows if she, like, because you're telling him what to say. Yeah. Oh no. There's so many classic, classic. I mean, this is exactly what they did with Brendan Decker. This is exactly what they did. Damn. Mm -hmm. Now, this call actually surprised Grady because he had already caught the guy who attacked the sisters. What? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's just like a fucking, like, so many things are like, first off, his interview, Joe's interview with Sheriff Carroll was never, like, actually recorded, only recorded by Sheriff Carroll. Like, it wasn't, there was no lawyer, there was no, no nobody else. And he, he Second, didn't have the wherewithal to know to ask for one either. Yep. Well, Miranda rights, I believe, weren't a thing at that point. Yeah, That's you're high. probably right about that. But still, I think asking still, for an, a lawyer. But still, but still, you're talking to somebody that you've already said, like, he's a nut. Like, he's not making sense. But he knows a lot of details. But he's changed his story two to three times. He can't read. He can't write. This Come is on, the dude. same thing that happened to him. Um, making a murder. If you guys don't know about it, go back and listen to it. This is a great. It's a great way where you can learn about these type of interrogation tactics that are actually illegal and unethical. Um, and that's mm-hmm. part of what got Brendan out of prison was because they were able to prove that. But this is. I mean, he. I mean, this is the twenties. Like, the depression we, wasn't that we long ago. We never covered making making a murder. a murder. No, no, no. Yeah, just go back and watch it. It's like a really long that's on netflix yeah yeah and also uh uh true crime obsessed covered all of the episodes Mm -hmm. so if you're if you want to like just listen to a podcast about it they did a really good job but um these are super unethical police techniques and unfortunately they often work really well on people who don't have high iqs and yeah it's 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 disgusting cruel yeah it's cruel Mm -hmm. it's abuse disgusting so now, the guy who attacked the sisters was Frank Aguilera, who was 30, was, he was a 35-year-old native from Mexico who had been hired and fired by the girl's father, Riley Drain. Okay. He became a prime suspect because he had shown up to Dorothy's funeral and started to act suspiciously. So now they do search Aguilera's home, the police do, without a search warrant, which is like another thing. And But he did it, so... Like, whatever, you suck. And yeah. found the hatchet with Nick's in it, and the coroner believed it matched with the cuts on Dorothy's head. Okay. So, the problem was, Aguilera was not giving them a confession, while mm. Joe was giving a confession. I'm going to say this in quotes. A confession. Oh, no. So, two weeks after the attack, Barbara actually wakes up and was even able to identify that Aguilera was the man who attacked her. Are you kidding me? So they have all these physical evidence. They have a witness. They have the murder weapon. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. But because this poor man who was unfortunately born with a disability didn't know better, they're going to accuse. Yep. Oh, my God. So Joe was eventually taken back to Pueblo and Carol wanted to make sure the press knew he had quote unquote solved the case. And when he went, I mean, he went straight to the press. He starts feeding to the press that like fake details about the case to make everyone think Joe did this. And he played up the fact that he was in the mental institute and he had a sexual deviant past. Oh, fuck this guy. Now Grady, the other sheriff, from yeah. wanted to wait until they had a solid case and could figure out exactly what happened. So Grady is like kind of like, mm, this isn't making sense. I don't know about to this. Me. But Carol is like, no, 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 dude, I got this. Like, I'm gonna stay got, famous. Like, people are gonna yeah, still know I my got, name. I got, I got, I got press waiting for me, bro. Yeah, like, bro, you need to back down. Damn. So when Joe, okay, so when Joe was brought to Chief Grady's office. The connection between Joe and Frank seemed to be real because when Joe walked in, he shouts, that's Frank, when he saw Aguilar. Now, because Joe wants to be a people pleaser, is a people pleaser, it is believed the police had convinced him that he knew him and might have even told him to say that before they walked in. Mm. I just want to, like, give Joe a big hug and be like, like... Everyone, like, leave him alone. Leave what is him wrong alone. with you people? Uh, oh, my God. So, Joe admitted to two other crimes. And you know what? He might not have even been coached. He might have just seen the picture of this guy. And I don't know. Like, I'm very big in the autistic community. Like, I, I know a lot of people. Like, uh, that's not an uncommon reaction to have when you see someone who you've, like, been familiar with in, like, newspapers or just people talking about. So he I'm going to go ahead and say that the shitty cops coached him to say that. Because Probably. But either way, that's not any sort of admission of guilt. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. First off, like, if you committed a crime, I was like, that's Joe. Yeah, we're friends. Like, that doesn't mean I committed the crime with you. Mm-hmm. It means absolutely nothing. So, Damn. Joe, quote-unquote, admits to two other crimes, but he was in the asylum at the time. And this yeah. should have been a huge red flag to everyone. But? But they're like, nah, that's okay. Like, really? It's fine. Yeah. They just ignored it. They were like, eh. Whatever. Did he, are we, are we going to get to this? Did he go to court? Did he have a trial? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll get mm-hmm. to this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, on September 2nd, Frank finally confesses to the crimes. He said Aguilar. that he overheard... Yes. He said that he overheard that the girls' parents were going to be out that night, and that is when he attacked the girls. He would tell the DA that Joe... Again, lying. He would tell the DA that Joe was there whenever they asked him. So, like, when Frank was telling his story... They'd be like, oh, but was Joe there? And he'd be like, yeah. Like, he would never admittedly say, like, and then Joe and I, or me and Joe, it was always like, but was Joe there? And he would say, yeah. And now you have to remember, he's from Mexico. So I don't know how well, yeah, English isn't his first language. I don't even know how well he knows English at this point. Or, like, the law. He might have thought, oh, there's so so many problems. So, okay, so Aguilar said that he met Joe and 
by chance. And when he found out he was a sexual deviant, Frank told Joe what he wanted to do, and Joe went along with it. Okay. He said that while, Joe, while he's locked up in uh, while he's institutionalized. Yeah. 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 So he does yeah. say that Joe raped Dorothy after Frank did. And when the crime was over, they split and they never saw each other again. Mm. So on December 15th, 1936, Frank stood trial for the rape, murder and assault on Barbara and Dorothy. He was also charged with the murder of Miss McTree and Sally Crumpley. And Dorothy identified Frank and even walked over to him when asked how to identify the man who committed the crime. No one asked about Joe and Barbara never mentioned anything about a second man. Mm. But that doesn't matter, apparently. But that doesn't matter. Don't listen to the victim. Don't listen to the person that was literally in the room being attacked. Yeah. She doesn't remember, Chelsea. She doesn't remember. She's, she's a just woman. a girl. She's just a girl. She's just a woman. She's, like it doesn't matter. Just like a they don't know you anything. Know how, you know how female brains are. Yeah, like they can't function in society. No, so you we can't, have to keep yeah. them away. Yeah, yeah. Like oh my god. Jesus I can't. Christ. Like I just. Jesus. It's it's, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. So Fred C. Bernard was the court-appointed attorney for Joe, and he. Worked hard for Joe. Like, he's a good guy. We like okay. him. Okay. A not guilty plea was first entered, but was withdrawn and replaced with not guilty by reason of insanity. Valid? Yeah. I mean, that's not... This day and age, that would never slide. No. Well, this but, day and age, like, there would be so many... So much press. So much press. And so, there, I don't think in this, in 2021, if this yeah. happened, they it would get, get away with it immediately. Yeah, they couldn't get it. They couldn't get away with it. But mm-hmm. I think all things considered, he was trying to do the best thing for his client. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, I don't like, I don't hate him for it. I don't hate yeah, him for Like for me, it. I'm like, he's not insane, but I understand why he had to do it because yeah. this would require for Joe to be evaluated to see if he could even be able to stand trial. Right, which with a 46 IQ, that's got to be a hard no. Yeah. So in February of 1937, the trial to prove, like, if Joe was able to stand trial began. At the DA's request, Joe had three state psychiatrists evaluate him, and they all agreed that Joe was incapable of distinguishing between right and wrong, and therefore would be unable to perform any action of criminal intent. Okay. Nice. Right. So three people. You have three state psychiatrists saying this. Three Joe people. testified on his behalf, and Bernard asked him very simple questions to prove that he was unable to be to stand trial. Bernard asked if Joe knew what an oath was. Joe said no. He asked who Frank Ro- Franklin Roosevelt was, and he couldn't answer the question. He didn't know the answer. Mm. So then, that was the president at the time, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they bring up Sheriff Carroll, this fucker, who explained his experience with dealing with criminals and could tell that Joe knew right from wrong. And because, pretty much because of his testimony, the jury ended up deciding that Joe could stand trial. What the fuck does that, who the fuck is he? Yeah. Who the fuck does he think he is? I don't know, but I think it's a good time to fill up because you're about to get rolled across. All right, wine break, everybody. 
<laughs> or or whatever your drinking break. <laughs> go get a drink. If you don't have one, go get one. Listen, Rusty, I love the cases that you bring to our attention because they're important cases to cover. But goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> So, Joe's murder trial starts on April 12th, 1937. And he Bernard asks trial. a judge. He fucking yeah, stands, he stands trial. trial. Damn. He fucking All stands right. trial. All right. Bernard asked, had asked the judge to have the first jury's verdict set aside and allow a new jury to decide if Joe's legal sanity, if, if, Joe was le- if Joe's legal sanity stood. And the judge did allow this. So, the prosecution's only witness was a Sal Khan and pretty much like they used Sal as like saying that he like knew Frank and like saw him the night of the murders and this night. It was all lies. It was all fucking lies. It was all bullshit. And the only physical evidence that linked quote unquote Joe to the crime was hair that was supposedly found at the crime scene. While he was institutionalized. So, no, for the murders of the girls, he was not institutionalized. He was train hopping at that time. Oh. So for Dor- Dorothy and, yeah. So he was out of the home at that time, yeah. So a Denver toxologist said that the hair was Joe's against the odds of 250 to 1. Those aren't great odds. This is, ni- this is also 1937. Like, they don't have yeah. any technology like that. No. So, <laughs> you ready for this? So, Bernard did point out that the hair was not recovered at the crime scene until Joe was arrested. So, it was planted. Okay. See, Mm -hmm. now I'm starting to understand why this guy had a shootout with a gang, with a mob gang. I'm starting to think that he had a little too much involvement with the mob, and he knew a little too much about how to, like, fake somebody else's guilt. Mm -hmm. Fuck that guy. Yup. Um... Sheriff Carroll was the star witness for the prosecution, and pretty much he won everyone over. Carroll was able to recite word for word his interview with Joe. Which, no, like, he wasn't. There, there was no, like, really any evidence of that. And even mocked Joe and his limited vocabulary. <laughs> what a dick. Bernard did have the three psychiatrists come and testify about Joe, and they had not changed their minds. Like, they're like, he, he does not know. He cannot, like, understand right from wrong. Um, but with Carol as a star witness, Joe was already guilty in the jury's minds. So After the, trial the jury over, believed this random-ass sheriff dude who's famous over three mm-hmm. actual clinicians. Yeah, because, like, Sheriff Carroll was so charismatic that he, he was he able to win people over. Damn. Yeah. Fuck this guy. May he so, rot. <laughs> seriously. After the trial was over, the jury took three and a half hours to find that Joe was sane and found him guilty of rape and murder. He was given the death sentence by gas chamber. When the judge read the verdict, it was reported that Joe did not take any notice to this news. Because he didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Damn. Like there was like quoted that like Joe would be like, "Oh, Joe can't die. Joe Joe won't die." Like he didn't understand that he was going to die. He was saying that out loud. Yeah, like he didn't understand. Oh my god. Justin. So 
Joe was originally supposed to be put to death on October 16, 1937, but his date was moved back numerous times. Warden Bess was the warden at the jail that Joe was in, and the warden did not believe that Joe did this crime. Oh. And he would actually end up helping Joe greatly and even hired an attorney for Joe. Oh. So it said that, like, Warden Best, he was a hard man, but he was a fair man. So, like, he knew. He was like, there's no way this kid did this. There's no way this this kid did this. And I just want to reiterate, he's 22 at mm-hmm. this point. I think he died when he was, like, yeah, 23. He's a kid. So, Best hired Gail Ireland, who was a very well-known, well-known attorney. Ireland was able to take Joe's case back to court to try to move his case out of Pueblo County and away from Judge Letty to a judge in Fairmont. Fairmont County, where the Joe, where pulled it up, where the jail that Joe was at. The wow. Colorado Supreme Court, though, decided that the case did belong to Pueblo County, and he was, he was able to establish nine stays to keep Joe alive. Wow. So they kept him alive for about a year and a half. Isn't that and fucked up? The people who were uh, running the prison or the jail were doing more work. Mm-hmm. To try and mm-hmm. exonerate and help him than his family or the sheriffs who are responsible for bringing the criminals to justice. Yep. That's some fucked up shit. And also, like, the there was, like, a $1,000 reward on, like, information on the crime, like, who did it. And that money went to Sheriff Carroll and then a couple, like, and, a, and the people that arrested him at the railroad. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what a thousand dollars. And nineteen thirty-seven. That's like, like this is the Great Depression. I'm about to find out. What a thousand dollars wasn't the Great Thirty-seven. Eighteen thousand dollars. That's not that much. That's not that much, but that's still fucked up that he got it. No, I know. He should have never gotten it. But I'm, like, sitting here thinking to myself, like, would you plant a story like that and, like, put somebody for that you know is For 20 grand, t- basically? For less no. than 20 grand? Like, I would never do that in general. Like, it doesn't matter what you offer me. I, I could never do that. But, like, right. not definitely not for 20 grand. You're going to need to add, like, about six more zeros behind yeah. that. I want, like, <laughs> yeah. like, I need to be billionaire status at yeah. that point. <laughs> You still wouldn't do it. Come on, let's be real. You still wouldn't do it. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to enjoy the money. No. The corner, like so. Rocking back and forth. I know. Oh, it would not happen. Well, it's because you're a good person. Carol is a shit human being. Yeah, he needs. So, okay, this is where like I was like, like starting to tear up because so Joe would be on death row for a year and a half. And during this time, he would play like any six-year-old child would. He would take his meal tray and then we like polish it up for him because it was metal back then and make funny faces in it and laugh. The warden gave him children's books and Joe would laugh at all the funny faces in it. Eventually, this book would fall apart. So Bess gave him scissors to cut the faces out and Joe would hum peacefully while cutting them out. At one point, the warden and his wife gave Joe a bright red wind-up car and a toy train, and those were his favorite toys. Oh, yeah, the warden and them, like, 
they would like let him like walk around death row like they took him to their their house like they were like this kid he's not dangerous like he should not be here yeah So he would move the car around his jail cell, and if the car ran into something, he would yell, car wreck, car wreck. He was even, like I said, he was even allowed to run the train up and down the hallway of death row, and the other inmates, who were actually confessed murderers, they also were like, "This kid, he didn't fucking do it. What the fuck? They would catch his train, and then they would roll it, like, when he would roll it their way, they would send it back to jail. Like, they would play with him. Because... Right? Isn't that so sad? Bess would actually allow the press to interview Joe. And in one interview, Joe ter- told a reporter, I want to live here with Warren and Best. When ah! asked if he wanted to go back to the home in Grand Junction, Joe was quoted saying, no, I want to get a life sentence and stay here with Warren and Best. Because the they were the, the first used- people who were nice to him. At the home, the kids used to beat me. I never get in trouble here. And like the pe the press, like people started actually falling in love with Joe because he was allowed to give the press. That is so sad. Okay, oh girl, it's about to get real sadder. (laughs) Take a sip, seriously. It's it's this is rough. Do you know what this reminds me of? Do you remember um? Shit, what's that movie called? The Green Mile. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, so that character is based off a little bit of Joe. Mm-hmm. So on January 5th, and 1939. He was murdered. So he gets yeah. murdered. He's murdered. Oh, yeah, he was murdered. So on January 5th, 1939... Joe was asked what he wanted, what he would like for his last meal. He requested ice cream. That same night, Bess gave Joe a box of cigars and a ton of candy. Joe ate as much as he could, then gave the rest to the other inmates. The last day of his life, he was visited by his mother and some family members. His father had already passed away. His mom was in tears. Well, I'm and glad Joe his couldn't... mom finally fucking showed up. Sorry. But girl, you have to remember that, like, know, this is such a different I know, time. I and know. different, if they were immigrants. They're not, you know, it would saying, be very different if he was a white middle class male. My mom would have showed up. <laughs> yes, your mom would have. Your mom but... would have showed up. <laughs> oh, my mom would have definitely become friends with the mob to get me out of jail. That is for you damn sure. You know. But again, it was different times. Different I'm not gonna times. judge her. I'm they, not gonna judge her. No, because like what is she gonna do? I don't know. I don't And like know. lawyers tried to get him out. Like people tried. Really? Wow. Girl, Shit. I just told you lawyer Ireland was like, dude, this isn't right. He tried and the Supreme the state Supreme Court said no. Yeah, no, you're he right. exhaust they exhausted everything they could. So, the last day of his life, he was visited by his mother and some family members. His mom was in tears, and Joe couldn't understand why. So, he kind of, like, left. Because he didn't understand why his mom was crying. He was like, why is everyone so sad? This is, like, depressing yeah. me. I don't want to do this. I'm going to go back to He's my like, train. He's like, I'm out. Bye, guys. So, he in spent the rest of the day. Yeah. He, so, he spent the rest of the day 
smoking cigars, eating ice cream, and playing with his toy train. As he walked to the gas chamber, he stopped and gave his toy train away and told the inmates that he would soon be raising chickens and playing the harp. Chelsea, I can't do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's hard. Bess was quoted saying, Joe was the happiest man on death row. On January 6, 1939, Joe was killed in the gas chamber. The next day, the Daily News had a headline that said, 23-year-old child dies for slaying. It is also reported that he walked to, walked to his death with the faith of a child and grinned as he was strapped into his death chair. Oh my he was God. buried in the prison's graveyard and had a motorcycle license plate as his headstone. Oh my God, are you okay? You're going to make me cry. Yeah. It's, it's rough. It's rough. So It's just like something in him knew. Because he gave his train away. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's definitely hard. And it's and it's also because it's like it would be I'd be like if the state put to death a six year old child. I think that's what it is, is that he was just so innocent and that the whole system failed him. Like he was failed since the second <sighs> grade. God damn it, Rusty. <laughs> so on a some good news, though. I mean, I don't know how you can get good news out of it. But on a positive side is that on January 7, 2011, 72 years after his murder, Colorado Governor Bill Ritter granted Joe a full and unconditional posthumous pardon. And an organization called the Friends of Joe raised money for a new headstone, and it has a picture of Joe playing with his beloved toy train, and it says, Here lies an innocent man. That is why when I looked up pictures, yep. You see him playing with it, yep. And that's because, you know, the warden, he was like, listen, like, he allowed him to do the, um, what's it called? The press, the press interviews. And it showed people, like, his, who he really was and not what Sheriff, Sheriff Carroll was saying. So, but that is the very sad and tragic so many victims in this of Joe Arity. Well, that was sad. Mm-hmm. Super sad. He gave you be okay? Train. He gave his train away. He knew. Yeah. Something, he gave even though he away. couldn't understand, something in him knew. I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And I hope he is in heaven or... You know he is. Whatever the afterlife is, playing you know with there. all the damn toy trains and eating all the damn ice cream he wants. Every and everyone's train. leaving him alone and being nice to him. And he's got like, mirrors buddy faces. I know. I'm like, oh, God. I well, hope I didn't depress everybody too much. Fucking Carol. Let me look up this guy's picture. Oh, look at this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's gross pictures of him with Joe. Fuck off. Oh, there's a picture of him with his mom. With his mom or Joe's mom? Joe with his mom. Or I'm assuming it's his mom. It's a woman. and it's probably Yeah, it's probably his mom on like one of his last days. Well, happy Wednesday, friends. Or Thursday. Happy Thursday, Thursday friends. Yeah. So, that's a tough one. 
I mean, just take care of those who are mentally damaged. Yeah. Like, and, and what makes me so angry is, like, this still happens. Mm-hmm. It still happens. I think that we're definitely becoming more aware of it now. And it's harder yeah. for people to just frame mentally. I mean, I don't know. I would assume it's harder. I could be very wrong about that. So don't get I too mean, mad again, at me. I mean, again, Brendan Decker. Mm-hmm. They did the same damn thing to him. Fuck this. See, yeah. and I was like planning my weekly win, and my weekly win's about to real, be real sad. And so, like, I'm trying to find a better weekly <laughs> win that's not sad. Oh my god, your weekly win is that you made it to Thursday. I made it to Thursday. It's been a really hard week, y'all. Like, grief is weird. Um, you have these weeks where you're just like, yeah, I'm great, I'm fine, and then you have these weeks where you're just like. I miss him with every fiber of who I am. But Tom's, you know, I love Tom's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have this little, they have a shoe out that's this little wolf that's howling at the moon. Or not a wolf, a fox. It's a little fox that's howling at the moon. And when Jeremy and I were trying to have a baby, we made up this code word about how we were going to get a fox. Because I knew I wouldn't be able to keep it a secret. And we knew it was going to be a challenge for us because he had some medical issues. So we knew it was going to be hard. And I knew I wouldn't be able to, like, not talk to people about things. So I would always be like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're getting a fox. Because that would be, like, a way that I could, like, express, like, we're trying to have a baby without, like, the pressure. Saying you're trying to have a baby. Because, like, like, the pressure, when you, like, announce something like that publicly, everyone's like, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? And it's like, no, it's a lot more complicated than that so I ordered the shoes in honor of Jeremy's and my baby that will never be Mm, Jesus I'm I'm excited I I guess it's a weekly win because you're doing something in honor so yeah right exactly when I saw it it's an honor of memory when I saw it I didn't think like this is so sad let me put it out of my head when I saw it I was like I want those because, like, they're Tom's. Yeah. They're going to last me for, like, the next 25 years. I was like, I want those. Yeah. I want those so that every time I wear them, I can remember, you know, the baby that we never mm-hmm. had. Oh. And I thought that was, like, my weekly win, but it is a little sad. I know it's a little sad. I can it come is, up it with is, a... But you know what, girl? You're going through a tragedy, so, like, take take what you can get. Take whatever mm-hmm. makes you happy. At least he didn't get fucking executed injustifully. Wait. Injustly? Injustice. In- injustly, yeah. That's the right word? It's not injusticefully. <laughs> not the first one he said. In... <laughs> he did not get unjustly executed. There we go. There you go. <laughs> oh, we're, we're smart. We, we promise. We're smart. Um, <laughs> what's your weekly win? You got to end us um, on something happy. So <laughs> my weekly, Okay. My weekly win is also a shopping thing, but I've always, like, so I have no fall clothes. Like, I mean, I have fall clothes, but they're, like, Yeah, because you've been living in Hawaii for the past, Hawaii. like. Yeah, and I haven't even tried them on, and I'm definitely not the size I was when I got married, so, like, homegirl's not sure. And so I discovered um, Prime Wardrobe. Yeah, okay. So essentially, like. I hate having to shop on Amazon because I don't like Jeff, but like, yeah, it's too Jeff, convenient. But it's Amazon. I know. I know. Yeah. And, um, so essentially like what happens is you like, if you have a 
the Prime. You can go onto Prime Wardrobe and you get to pick eight pieces and they mail it to you. And then you have seven days from when your box arrives to try it on. And whatever you don't send back, they charge you for it. So if you are like, I don't know about this, I don't know about that, but you try it on and you hate it, you send it all back, you don't get charged for anything. If you love oh. it, then you just keep what you want. They just charge you automatically for what you don't send back. That makes it easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does because like with COVID and the Delta variant rising and I know you can't even try stuff on crazy. in a lot of stores. Yeah. And then you just take it home and then you have to return it. And, and so like this is easy because it's like just all I have to do is just mail. run to UPS and just mail it. Yep. So that's if, my weekly do you have a I discovered that. You? I probably do. If you do, you can take it to Kohl's and return it at Kohl's. Oh, good. You don't know. even have to package it up. You can just take it there, and they'll they have like usually. When the a special, hell did that happen? I mean, at least last year, but Damn. you can just they'll scan it and then it's returned. Shit. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I'll have to try it out. Well, I'll let y'all know if I keep anything. You'll find some stuff. You need some. You need some sweaters and some pants. I know. I have like one pair of jeans and one pair of leggings. Yeah, like, you need some pants. Nothing. I, I well, the good news is, and I got stuff for Baby B because he's oh, literally, yeah, he is literally like one pair of pants and one long sleeve shirt. Yeah, in his size yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm like, oh, we're starting today. It felt like fall for the first time. So I was like, oh, we really gotta get some stuff <laughs> it's gonna be here before we know it no kidding so. it's coming today it was like the high was i think 82 degrees because and it was cloudy coming in was perfect. but i definitely was like mm. you got that taste of fall in the air it's a taste just a taste yes. we're gonna have more hot yeah, and it's days gonna be- jump back up to the 90s and yeah, yeah. hot and sunny we're, so we're gonna have more the hot taste days, left. but at the end of summer it's there's there. these little days here and there that you're just like fall's coming the best time to be in North Carolina. I mean, I'm not a huge winter fan, but like the fall and the spring make it all worth it. Yeah. Tough. I'll find out. I'll find out. Uh, Well, okay. Y'all need to go like smoke some weed or like have some Delta (laughs) A or something to cheer yourselves up because that was a super fucking depressing episode and I'm really sorry. Go like have or sex. Or if don't you know. don't drink, or I don't. Is it smoking weed legal in there in North Carolina? I mean, Delta Eight is legal. Okay, well, take off smoking weed. We don't need to get. Go get that. some Delta Eight. Go cheer. But if you're not up. into that stuff, I also love to watch Nine Day Fiance when I need a little have distress. Have you so. been watching um, Ninety Days the Other Way? I just started. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to talk about it later. Yeah. Um, all right, y'all. Well, thanks for coming back and let us know what you think. Leave us a, a review. Um, yeah, you can find us stuff. and you can, if you want to like talk to us about anything or you have cases that you want to suggest. Um, you can find us on Instagram at a thousand true crimes pod, or you can find us on Facebook, a thousand true crimes, uh, podcast discussion group. Um, I, we're going to be launching a TikTok soon, but that's not in action yet, but keep your eyes open because it's gonna, it's gonna happen soon. And then again, 
keep your eyes out on all of our socials for our um, merch giveaway. It's all going to be totally free. <laughs> all you got to do is um, le- follow us, like us, subscribe us, what all, like all the things. Yeah, positive so, vibes only, please. Yeah, we're struggling. We're too st- – I mean, I mean, I'm struggling. Chelsea's not struggling as bad. But, like, I need some positivity in my life. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, we will see you all next week. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.